So I'm going to count down from three, two, one. Hey, welcome everybody to Bright and Me. Well, it's called Bright and Me. It's not really bright. There's no bright tonight. Um, no, I'm bearded. We, uh, you are bearded though. No, we did at least fit um, some of some of the criteria. We had a really rigorous application process, but we got, we've got, we are, you're still listening to Bright and Me, where we talk about soccer and other things, other podcasty things. That hasn't changed. But uh, here's what we've got tonight on our agenda we're going to talk about the crew because they technically played a soccer match on Wednesday. Um, we're going to talk about it as much as we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. And then we might shift over to talking about DC United if um, if we're feeling like it, because I, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty mentally mentally draining. We're going to ch- chat a little bit about uh, the the season that's coming up for the Columbus Eagles. And also there is a something called the Challenge Cup in the NWSL. We're going to, we're going to touch on those two, but tonight you heard a different voice. It is a bearded voice. You could tell, but it, it's not Brian's voice because Brian is not only abandoning the state of Ohio, uh, but God forbid he take a little bit of time to record a podcast with one of his cl- closest, nearest, dearest, most talkative friends. Um, so we're, we're going to introduce him. Actually, we're going to introduce him right now. Um, I have someone that I would like to for you to meet. His name is Tyler Kendall or TK or Drinking Cruiser. I'm sure many other names that you go by. You can inform me on any ones that I missed as we're going through. Uh, he is a crew supporter that you might recognize if you have been a fan aficionado of social media productions from the supporters group GCG Bag over the years. Now, folks who listen to our show, because the BAM fam, uh, I think we're international. We've got we've got folks from outside of just the crew supporter them who listen. So GCG bag stands for Greater Columbus Golden Boys and Girls. He's done a ton of like post match reaction videos. Co-hosted the uh, Columbus Crew Cult Classic. That was hard for me to say. Uh, two dudes on the internet talking about soccer, which hopefully you're bringing it back. That's we'll ask about that later. And then most recently, he's the producer of all of the Columbus Eagles home matches. So that was a really, really involved introduction because you're a man of, of many hats. Welcome to the show, Tyler. How's it going? Thank you for having me. It's going well. Uh, I mean, it could be better if we would have won yesterday. It could oh. be better if Arsenal would have won today. Mm. Better on a lot of levels, but, you know, I'm here. It's good. It's almost Friday. So We talked about this a little bit on the internets today uh, via message because you were mentioning how the crew match yesterday, we're going to get into a second, was if I had to put a single word to describe the match, it was just like blah. That was it. Like there's nothing positive really to pull from it. And then we were talking and you said that Arsenal had played today. You seem pretty, pretty down in the dumps, like all of your kind of soccer emotion had it completely left your body. Um, and and with Bryant being missing and him being a Tottenham fan, you're you're a perfect replacement because he's been in that zone for such a long time. He kind of lives in that zone. So uh, you'll be here tonight. So it's it's kind of great, but let's uh, we're gonna leave the European sadness over in Europe tonight. We'll just focus on the local sadness um, that was last night's uh, crew match. So Tyler, you watched the match. Why don't you uh, run down here for the for the BAM fam? Kind of what happened, what you saw, and then we can 
kind of just go back and forth and use this as a, um, a therapy session to really get our feelings out there and really open up about what we're uh, really thinking. The sadness started early, um, <laughs> started very early, earlier than I wanted it to. Uh, it was like a third minute throw in where I'm like thinking that we're probably going to be set. So it shouldn't be, you know, too, too challenging. And then I played goalkeeper. So like the cross should have been dealt with room just parries it out into the middle, like exactly where you're not supposed to parry any ball ever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they just tapped it in and then the sadness continued. <laughs> it's one of the things where you, you, you get a goal that early in the match and for the first goal, especially whenever you're only down one now, and it's aggregate and all that, but really the crew had to go and all they had to do was win. All they had to do is win. I mean, I figured we were going to have to score two to win as well. Yeah, they weren't going to get, they weren't going to hold them to a clean sheet. They weren't going to keep the, to nothing. But the, the third minute goal, you think, yeah, this sucks, but we've got so much time. We've got so much time well, to be able to at come least back. We got, yeah, at least we know the, uh, the, we have it, a lot to do here. It, it, at the end of the match, we had jokingly, it's more of a coping mechanism. We were like, there was about 93 too many minutes of stoppage time at the end of that match last night. I didn't really, the end of the game. Like after the third, after the free kick went in, I was just like, it's not a night. <laughs> it did not get any better. Well, go ahead. What, uh, after that first goal in the third minute, uh, what um, are the other I mean, things that kind of We did have highlights. Like Zardes did get, get in on goal and had some headers, but just, you know, when you're, when you have all of like the time and you, you try to put it on goal and it just doesn't go on goal, you just kind of know it's going to be one of those nights. Um, and our, I, I normally am a very positive speaker of the team. I always say supporters should support and like, you know, like I'm all about like, Hey, everyone gets down. But like, I was really disappointed when we brought on BWP because I thought he was just out there to trot around and he didn't do too much on the attacking front there. Um, but that's just me. So. <laughs> no, that that's fine. I, I kind of, from what I've seen this year, you're talking about the Zardis. He was substituted at halftime. I mean, I understand he was injured too. So like his shoulder had what popped out of place last match against Monterey, but the dude kept balling. He kept going. I think he played what 70 some minutes in the first match, 30 minutes of with his shoulder all kind of jacked up. But uh, I, I think Bradley Wright Phillips kind of does the similar things to Zardis in terms of uh, he doesn't stay and kind of wait for a ball to come his way. I think he just had, he kind of chirps a lot more than Zardis does. He talks a lot more than Zardis does. And I thought that kind of attitude might, might help out a little bit. It didn't because once he came on, it was, he was much less effective than Zardis <laughs> was in that match. Uh, but one, uh, one thing that popped up was the 26 minute and we could talk all pot about the officiating. It's, it's easy to, I know the officials are really easy target and I try my best. I really try to tell her not to point it at their direction because it's not, it's a thankless job, right? It's not a, it's a very great, not a very great job. And uh, leg one and leg two, they were just awful. It was just awful. But in the 26th minute, we're down one. And Josh Williams gets the ball, what, maybe 10 yards outside the box. It's pretty, he's outside of the box. And uh, failed Spurs legend uh, with Janssen, or as Mike Watts on the air called him, Johnson. Yeah, night. I love that they kept mispronouncing that. That was my highlight as like an Arsenal supporter. Like, look, they can't even get his name right. Look at how much of a failure he is. 
Well, he helped uh, kind of expose a referee failure because he, him and Josh got in a little, little tangle and, and Johnson Johnson, he, he brought him down. He brought him down pretty clearly. And it, you were right in front of the ref too. What did you think about that? Did you think that was a miss penalty? You think that not I, a miss penalty, I, miss call? I or? think that that's just getting concacaft. I, I think that like those calls aren't getting called in this league. And, it, and if you look at any of the other games that took place, that just doesn't get called. Um, and so like, I kind of, you got to expect it. It sucks. But like, but then you see tackles later in the game where like they go over the ball and studs up into Matan and like you could very VAR and see that and be like, that's, that's what VAR is here for. That's a red card offense all day. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, I mean, they, you couldn't get a yellow card for anything. Like the Diaz like got picked up and body slammed after getting kicked on the foul. So it's like, oh, all of that is just one yellow card. Okay, whatever. I don't know what a yellow card is anymore. And, and it even helped out the crew because in the, I think it was the 15th or 16th minute, Diaz went in for a tackle. It was a horrible tackle. Diaz should not be. And he was going in from a tackle from behind, which he, live, I thought, okay, when's the whistle going to blow? You're going to blow the whistle. He's going to get something. On the replay, Never got ball. <laughs> he, he, he took the guy out at the shins and didn't get anything. So for all the complaints. I think we should have been more prepared for that and played a dirtier game, I think. I, it was a more physical game, and I think we should have been prepared to play very, very physical, and let things things aren't going to get called. So play to the whistle. And I thought maybe with Mensa back, that would be something that they did because Mensa is not – I know he's not a – doesn't seem like an angry center back, right? They have the stereotypical kind of enforcer type guy. He does he doesn't play that kind of game. But um, coming into the match last night, we thought, oh, well, he's going to come back from injury, and that was the reason why we gave up two goals in the first match, right? Because we needed better defending, and even he just looked kind of off. I don't know what it was. Like they weren't in front. They were in front of what thirteen thousand people, which seeing that stadium, and I know a lot of people talk about the the beauty of the stadium. What I thought of was like a CFL team playing in an NFL stadium. That's what I thought of. Cause that's what, like one of my dream stadiums to visit. Like it's always been one of my dreams stadium. Like my, I support Monterey in the league of MX. So oh, like, I did. Oh yeah. Um, so like, yeah, Rayotas. Uh, but uh, like it was sucked that it happened during this year. Cause like I always wanted to make the champions league so that I could travel me and my wife are big fans of traveling for crew away games mm-hmm. um, and so it was like oh finally crew away international and then it's like oh well like can we get tickets can we not get tickets um, did so they not sell them to anybody it else? was just it was just yeah it was just for like season ticket holders for monterey because mm. that thing holds what 70 some thousand people how much does that hold yeah i think it's like 67 or something like that oh man yeah gosh of all years, of all years, it has to happen. But I maybe playing in that stadium and, and feeling the just any noise of, of supporters and how they're all very, you know, raucous for Monterey. Even in leg one, you could hear on the on the stream because I, I wasn't able to go to it in person. You could hear the Monterey fans that were in uh, in Historic Crew Stadium. Mm. I couldn't imagine what it's like whenever it's just them and there's nobody. There's not. I'm guessing there weren't many crew fans. I didn't pan uh, to the crowd too often to see anybody in black and yellow. 
Well, the, the thing at the for so I went to the game and they had like all of the 150 uh, Monterey fans in one section, and then like so like you, they were all clustered right there, and then everyone else for crew is like even if like they were in the Nordic, it's still like oh you got it that's your seat you gotta stay over there. Yeah, they weren't doing that much. <laughs> no, they weren't doing that much in the away section. They 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 panned to it a few times during the match, and yeah, they weren't. They weren't separating anybody into pods. It's <laughs> whatever they were all together. Uh, no, it was it was a bummer of a match. I I was proud of myself that I kept it on for the entire ninety three minutes of it. I I at the end I wanted to kick myself though for keeping it on for the entire ninety three minutes of it. And then I had to write something about it today. We did this uh, game grades thing where we grade every. If for folks who don't know, you grade players between one and ten usually doesn't go past like four or five or so but even thinking about having to write it I just felt like oh I don't want to do that right now and then today when I wrote it I thought I'll sleep on it I'll wake up I'll feel better I did not feel any better writing that and I felt almost like I was writing some sort of dark poetry trying to get into words how the match went because it was just nobody seemed to do anything they usually do outside of maybe nag me Nagby always he seems the most consistent every match you can expect the same thing from him but nobody else did anything was there any like like, the the passing patterns of like the first game to the second game and like without having Zellerian like there was no like creative midfielder that really got it sparked going forward Mm -hmm. it was a lot of like okay we started with the center backs lots of passing between the back and then we normally find Zellerian in the middle and then he breaks Mm-hmm. that wasn't happening in the second game and and i don't think we we there was things that we could have done to correct that and i don't think we did that um no and what in pedro santos was in that role and outside of corner kicks i felt like he wasn't even on the field for most of the game I, like you said he did there was no creativity what do you think they could have i mean putting your caleb porter hat on what do you think they could have changed to to make that a little more flowing or to, to open it up a little bit. Cause they relied heavily on like Luis Diaz and Waylon Francis. And that I think we, he, they were ready for it. He <laughs> was trying to slow the game down so that we could open up like channels in the center of the mid mm-hmm. and find those, those passes to Zalaran like we were, but that wasn't happening. And I think we should have, uh, you know, just, I just changed up the system and tried to play faster and on more accounting counterattacking system instead of like the possession system mm-hmm. uh, more direct uh, especially when you were down one but I mean it's like you have a plan and then you get scored on in the third minute and then the plan just goes out the window and, and that was when their best chances came up when Zardis had that early header that was on a break that was soon after that third minute goal but uh, I guess it, it you know the Mike Tyson quote about making plans until you get punched in the face and they got punched in the face pretty pretty rough could you it was ourselves. we like ko'd ourselves. like we like (laughs) the first goal in the first game this first goal in this game like these were just our personal like one physical mistake by us and you know we're down um it it was preseason form like liga mx is like wrapping up like their gladisora or klausora Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like two different sets of leagues um but they're about to finish so like you know it's th- all these guys are going to play off form right now and we're basically just starting out so it's it was fun while it was lasted but like you know and league mx teams they actually complained about the change in format because these matches are usually being played 
in like February or get played in January. They're played much earlier in the season. Um, so I, I remember when they first announced the changes because of COVID, they've updated a lot. Even this Champions League was very not like not the usual, you know, not the not the, the kind of tournament you expect them to play in. But um, yeah, they they look like they were on a completely different level, and it almost it made last week look like either a complete fluke or Zellerown is so much more important than people, than people even thought before. While finding out. <laughs> yeah. Cause he, um, yeah, that was big. Any, any positives, I'm going to bring in some thoughts that some folks on the internet, because that's where all the best brains of our day really share their thoughts. Um, did you see any, see any positives, anything that you were like, okay, I don't, I completely like, I hate the match. That, like, you know, Matan's getting on. And then, like, the foul happens. I'm excited that Parente is in there. Like, okay, I give these young guys shots. And then he commits the foul that they get the free kick on. And so it was, like, everything that could – and that was a soft foul. Like, for how the game right. was going, I feel like it was easily that you could have just not given it there. But um, I, I don't know that there was many positives. <laughs> the, the, we're, we've got D.C. on Saturday. That's a positive. Hey, that's a good, that's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. Let's go to some uh, thoughts from some of our pals uh, on on the internet. One is is Homer Olson. I'm gonna get your. I'm gonna share the thought. You can react to it however you want. Whoever you want. Homer's a good friend of the show. He's a he's a member of the Bam Fam. Is Luis Diaz a lesser version of Ethan Finley? I think Luis Diaz is going to be a way greater version than Ethan Finley. It's just, he's very, very young. He has raw talent and you can see that he gets into really good positions and then somehow he loses the ball in between his feet when he needs to make the decision. Um, yeah. I, 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 I love the guy. I really do. But I mean, he's still very, very young. He's like only 21 or like 22 or something like that. So it's like, you know, I mean, this is his second year on the biggest stage. He's actually getting starts now. And uh, I, I'm excited to see what the next like three years are. I think we could really make a good profit off of him if we can make him into the final bit of getting these crosses down, getting these these shots on and the decision making right at the last moment. I think he'll be better. And you saw that last season, too, because in 2019, I remember specifically going down to Cincinnati in the Hell is Real uh, match and how Diaz had that just like scorcher of a shot. I have goosebumps all over still thinking about it. You and you, you see, yeah, you saw that so Brad early. Well, what was that? I said he did it in the final, too. He cut up Brad Smith down that right hand side. And then oh, yeah. To Zellerian for the third. But, but I mean, in, uh, in 2019, he was scoring goals and he was getting there. 2020 doesn't score a goal but at the end of the season you talk about his progression you talk about his growth as a player and playing under Porter for a whole season and he he started to make those passes because usually whenever he breaks through Brad Smith which was not tough to do that guy he was getting beat all night (laughs) during the MLS Cup final he I thought okay Diaz is gonna shoot this because he's in a he's in a Diaz shoot the ball position at that point but whenever he passed it to Lucas, I think that was almost as exciting as the Lucas goal. I was like, oh, my God, he passed it. And he's, he's finding the open man. Higher defense. Like, it's just like, oh, here's the key. <laughs> and, and, I mean, last year, too, against Cincinnati in the in the Zardis baby game, whenever he comes back from, you know, having another kid, second half, they bring in Diaz at half. 
and he just uh, who uh garza i think it was yeah it was greg garza at the time he just scorched him he scorched him all night and he did that in leg one but like you said that youth and kind of an experience he got past monterey in leg one a lot but then he got into these positions and he takes these really hurried or these really bad shots, or he was on the end of the uh, the cross. I don't know if it came to him too quickly, but it just kind of surprised him that it got to him. He's, I, I don't see him as Nathan Finley at all. Greg Berhalter and Caleb Porter are so different in terms of how they coach and what Porter asks of his players. I feel like it's a lot more than what Berhalter asks of his players. Berhalter gives everybody, here's your specific goal that you have to have. Here's your one thing you got to focus on. And with Porter, I mean, Diaz, we talk about him having a really horrible tackle, and it was a bad tackle, but he's tackling people. He's he's playing defense on top of his raw offensive he's ability. Great, great he's attacking third runs, yeah. So Homer, you want he brought the spice, and that was a good take. Uh, that was a good take because it had that was some good conversation. I appreciate you, Homer. Um, go go Nottingham Forest. They didn't have a good season. Hey, I'm they, sorry. they've won Europe before, though. So <laughs> they have. No, they have. They've they definitely won that. <clears throat> they were so close to getting promoted last season. I feel bad for Homer because um, last year, when all the matches were coming back and all the excitement around Liverpool, sorry, um, he was like, "Oh, they're going to." Uh, Forrest was close to getting promoted, and then this year, it all kind of, kind of, kind of fell apart. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> that's on another podcast. Uh, Al Shulman. Not sure if this is hot, cold, or lukewarm, but Artur was the only player who stepped up last night. I thought, <laughs> I thought he wasn't bad. I thought he wasn't bad. I, mean, I, I thought think... Nagby played a decent game. Um, yeah, uh, the, the, I would say that his performance was actually a positive. Uh, I know I didn't have any earlier, but um, Nagby played. You know what I expected he should do. Um, you know so. Wylon played better than I thought he would. <laughs> Are you talking about Whalen? Is that what you said? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he had a the first few minutes, he seemed um pretty amped. I think he was pretty amped up, but then when he calmed down, yeah, he was he was good. He was good after that first couple of minutes. Uh Eddie Johnson, he thinks he uh the roster needs Kai Kamara to dunk on defenders. I'm I think I was a another attacker that isn't Bradley Wright Phillips, but I don't know if it's Kai Kamara. <laughs> so you're looking for a different attacker than a Jossie's artist because they play a similar game. They 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 play a more forward kind of game, and they both get out of the back to goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they tried that. Well, I wouldn't say bringing in Audi and having Cincinnati pay for it was really trying, but they need to bring in somebody who really has that kind of. Um, that aerial attack, I think. Yeah, I think because Kai was – that's why Waylon Francis made the all-star team in 2015 was because of all the crosses he could just launch into Kai and then let Kai go at the end of it and just, just – I also think a lot of those – the headers that Zarda should have finished is probably just like soreness from having your like shoulder dislocated. Um, and then he had like a pretty rough tumble early in the game where he like kind of like tried to catch himself and then mm-hmm. you could see him like kind of like give out. And I was like wondering if that was just like affecting how you were trying to, you know, head the ball just because the motion of your upper body would, you know, you might flinch a little and not get as much power on it. That makes sense. And that, it, but that uh, goes back to a question of coaching too, because he, it didn't look the same. The header, he had a clean header. He had plenty of time on that first one. Like you mentioned a few minutes ago, he had time to think about it, time to set it up. 
it just looked like a really soft header. And that could go back to, you know, and his shoulders with that shoulder coming out of place. And that's going to impact his neck. It's going to impact his head. I feel like I'm singing the song, the neck bone connected to the, uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got to be impacted by it, but no, that, that makes sense. He, but Zardis I feel like just timid because you're not trying to strenuate it any more than you already did. That's yeah, no, that that's a good point. That's a good point. So bring in somebody like a Kai Kamara, but not Kai Kamara. He still has, I think, about five more teams left before he gets his punch card filled of all the MLS teams. He's gonna make <laughs> it. One of I, the conferences. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna do it. I have faith in you, Kai. Um <clears throat> uh old man Darby Schnarfus, he uh he brought he countered your point about Monterey being later on in the season. He said that it's not a question of where they're at in their season. He wasn't listening. He just happened to bring this up before because this is not a live show. If, if he's hearing what we're doing, that's it's really <laughs> creepy. Um, but he showed just the ball movement was better by a very significant margin and that last year's MLS success was an aberration. Now, I will, I will say in a tournament setting, even with the two-match aggregate, there still is a lot of chance. There still is a lot of chance when you're in a tournament. You could have a team that rises above and takes over another um, out of nowhere. But I, who ended up winning the MLS's back tournament? Was that Philly or was that Portland? Was that Portland? Okay, I was gonna. I I, I like phased out after we lost, but like you know, I mean, yeah. There was certain teams that definitely I thought we were one of those teams that looked really good in it and then fizzled out. Minnesota was really good and then fizzled out. Minnesota's mm-hmm. looking really weird this season. I uh, I don't know what it is. They have so many former crew players. You think they'd no, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> well they have Ethan's up there and he's healthy. Yeah. And Will Trap. Yeah, he? they got Will. They still have uh, celery up there. Yeah. Man. Maybe bring him back. That would be a good target. Yeah, I was going to say, that would be a good target, man. <laughs> Maybe, I think Miguel Barry needs to get more of a shot. Every time he's played in the Real Esteli second leg, and then last night when he only got, what, 15, 16 minutes, they put him in these winger positions. Yeah, I don't understand that. He's he put him in put him in his put him in up front put yeah. him in up front. That, he doesn't have the like the the speed and like the technicality to get around people on the wing. Like he'd like just send him down the middle. Like let's go. If you're not going to put him as the forward, put him as a center back because that's how big he is. If you're not going to put him, don't don't put him on the wing. That doesn't make sense, especially with all the other guys they put on the wing. It just doesn't fit what Porter wants to do. And he he needs to get minutes. He needs to get minutes if he's going to do anything. But I. I don't know. Maybe next match you hopefully can see him getting some more forward minutes. But I who gets the start against DC? I think I think Bradley Ray Phillips will get the start. Is Milton healthy? Who knows? Because we find out injuries only by who, who's in the starting <laughs> eleven and who's on the bench. We never <laughs> find, like, find out. Oh, like Mensa has a thigh thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I. I I told Pat the other day, like, hey, you needed every press conference, just standard question. Who's injured? <laughs> Kale, who's injured? Tell us who's injured because we don't see anything in the match. If you don't tell us, we have no idea. Um, <sighs> we can talk about DC. I, I think, we, you know, Warm Gar gets the start. I think he, he, you you give him he, – he looked really good in the 60 minutes that he played the other day against uh, uh, Philly. Um, so. It wouldn't have shocked me if he would have gotten the start last night. And that's nothing against 
how Josh plays or how Mensa plays because they're obviously a really strong duo and Josh has done nothing to get benched. But if you see Wormgoer having that strong of a match after being off for so long and you, um, and you bring him in for the reason of starting, he, they brought him in because we're, he was going to be that guy who played next to Mensa, who was going to shore up the center back duo. And maybe just because of the stage or because of um, Porter wanting to keep that, kind of connection between Josh and uh, Mensa last night, but I, it wouldn't have shocked me if Wormgore got the start last night. I don't think anything now between the three of those guys. It, it, You're not missing much in the let off. I don't think. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I think even to uh, Josh is amazing, but Vito and his kind of, I think he lets Mensa sit back more. And I think Vito can cover a lot of ground, even though he's a, a big dude. He's, He's fast and he covers a good bit and he can kind of everyone looks at him as kind of like that enforcer type guy who can, who can be a little bit more physical. And he had those tackles against Montreal uh, down in Florida. And, and what a first match to bring him back. You bring him back at a three o'clock start in Southern Florida, the guys from the Netherlands, how could that, <laughs> that could, and last time he played in Florida, it was not very good for him yeah. or his ankle. <laughs> Um, Andrew, Andrew Johnson, rat called AJ. He thinks Diaz should not be our shooting option. We talked about Diaz. Uh, should put Kevin Molino on season ending injury freeze. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, he, isn't he on like a pretty much like a three month injury freeze? He was on six to eight weeks and that was like three weeks ago. Okay. I think I wrote about that. So I, 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 last time I remember hearing he's still got about a month. So it could be three to four weeks that he comes back. I, I don't think you shut the door on Molino because you paid to bring him in. He was your big signing of the offseason. That I, I mean, get the idea. I think in the playoffs when we're when Pedro's not fit or you know somebody else isn't fit, he's going to be the guy instead of Matan or yeah. you know, Etienne or I don't. I mean, they're all interchangeable. They're all very very good. I don't. I feel like I don't know if Matan is really, really good. Like we can yeah, watch I, highlights and we can do that kind of stuff, but I, I want to see him. I want to see him get some substantial minutes up until last night. He had 21 minutes in three matches. Well, I don't know if you total. heard Porter's uh, comments on him was that he's still young. He's just gotten to the team April 17th or something like that. Yeah. And it's just like, he doesn't want to rush him in and get him over his head too early into something. So I kind of understand that, but like, also, it's like that's like been our only bench option right recently. Yeah. And the fact that he got any minutes against Philadelphia, I know it was four or five minutes. The fact that they brought him in in a match where you're still looking to get a goal and you're still looking to attack. And for a guy who just got out of quarantine, I think that week, and I think he just joined the team a few days before, that showed that Porter porter likes him i think porter he does like what he, they brought him in for a reason but um it could also go back to what you're saying with depth uh, the last thing that somebody shared with us danny castle crew fans need to embrace or need to brace for a long disappointing season i i think it's way too we can early figure out how to score <laughs> we will be fine i think if we can figure out how to get goals the crew will make the playoffs and that's all we need to do. You know, you don't, yeah, you don't have to do anything. You have to win on the road. I really want to see a road victory. How did we win the title last year with like literally one road win? <laughs> like 
No, they had no road wins. The okay. only road win we have were in Florida during the MLS's back tournament, and that's because everybody had road games. Uh, that was the only road win they had all season. I, like that, that kind of baffles me that like a team could never win away and then still win. I brought. Um, I asked that question in a press conference a few weeks ago. Well, I had somebody ask. I wasn't in the press conference, you know, work and all that stuff. And Porter's response, he was almost like caught off guard with it. And I wouldn't say he was offended, but he thought it was ridiculous bringing up that they didn't win an entire road game last season. And I, I could kind of see in his response was that, well, we played 10 less matches so i'm sure we his response was pretty much uh what's the argument the goals are coming it would have happened he's like oh it would have happened if we could have kept going um yeah the playoffs last year it was planets aligning that was so perfect how columbus was able to get all home matches because they they desperately needed it from what it looked like last year i don't know i don't think this season's going to be disappointing we just they just won the mls cup in december We've played two. Take two games off, get everybody healthy, <laughs> come back. Yeah. Uh, even now, less match congestion. We don't have to worry about extra matches in August or September outside of what the uh, the Champions Cup, what do they call it? Yeah, the Campionas Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we're going to face off in, uh, in New Crew Stadium, which will probably have some sponsor at that point, Wendy's Stadium or something. Um, yeah, I. Yeah. Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> slider tackles. Anytime there's a slide tackle, you can go to your local White Castle and get a free, get a free four pack. Um, <clears throat> I we haven't given up a goal in the MLS yet. Their focus was on the Champions League, and like you said, all you have to do is make the playoffs. This isn't a table where we have to get in first place and we have to stay in first place. It's the American sports system. We just have to make the playoffs, and that's all we that's all we need to do. Last year we were third place in the East, made the playoffs, and that's all you need. So I no, I don't, I, I don't think that that's uh, anywhere close to the to the truth. Is that a long, disappointing season? That's just I think the wound is still fresh. I think maybe if we ask like a week later, after hopefully a win against DC. Um, I would just I take it if we scored that. like one or two goals. I don't care if they score one or two goals, but like if we <laughs> score one or two goals, I'll be happy. Score something. You you scored two against Monterey. Now, granted, well, I'll ask you because you're the Monterey fan. Was that the Monterey kind of like B team, or what? What did you think about how they lined they up? Rotate, in like they rotate their uh, their three strikers, Janssen and and like Mesa. They like. They just rotate like that's it, it. That's that happens in the league normally without like injury or something. It's just like oh, we're giving them a break. Okay. Uh, you know, some people don't want to travel as well, so you will get that where it's like oh, that seems like a really long flight for me to take. Uh, send that guy. Hmm. Um, because I know there's like certain stipulations where some people will be like, I refuse to like fly there because I just it's I'm too posh for it. <laughs> like Johnson. No, he. Uh, th- that makes sense. So you're saying that squad Where's rotation. Ohio? Oh yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going to Columbus. Was that uh, the what's his name? Giovinco. That something know? super Spursy. <laughs> <laughs> He's too good. Uh, former Spurs player, too good for Columbus, Ohio. No, Columbus is. It's been known for what the the retirement league players and uh, like the guys coming over at 35 or Giovinco not wanting to play in Columbus for some reason. I mean, it's not a turf field. You at least get grass. I mean, that's 
you can't ask for much more than that for some of these. I guarantee you. They're, they're much more. You could play at a baseball field. You could play at a baseball field. <sighs> Let's. Any closing thoughts on the crew? Well, I'll ask you. Do you, you don't think that the season's over, right? No, I don't. I like. I'm still hopeful. Like, I mean, it's just now that we focus on that really for the most part of this first couple of games. It's like, well, now that that's over, let's focus on the league again. You know, so it's. Well, they they do they do play again this weekend, Saturday at one thirty. If you're listening to it past that time, you missed it. But it's this weekend. Uh, they're going to be in DC for that one, right? Uh, no, it's at home. Oh yeah, this is. Uh, third from last match right we have three more matches at home we are at home to dc here we are at home uh to toronto on memorial day and then the last game is june 19th at the at, at home that's the last, last old stadium what's before we get into questions about kind of because i want to shift into getting to know you a little bit more and asking about your kind of soccer history and all that stuff do you have a favorite memory from anything involving crew historic crew stadium since we're kind of in its uh, uh winning, last days uh, winning the stadium or winning the title in during the COVID, i went to the game burr halter sat right behind me and i got to celebrate with him like after the game um it, wait 3g yeah he was in a box i have pictures with him and it was funny because i was like i'll stand over here and he's like no come on over <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, get in here <laughs> so uh yeah it was it was it was fun i i I wish it could have been. I got to go to the previous one against Portland, and that was such a dis- like so sad. Like, uh, and so this one like made it all okay. Like after the year that everyone had, after everything, like it, it really just meant a lot for me to win in the old stadium as like the last year send off. So that that was poetic the way you send it off that way. Uh, new ownership moving it into a brand new stadium. The last playoff game ever is winning, is winning that trophy. It all felt just like all the stars just aligned. And it was just like, this is the most perfect thing that I could have asked for during this. And after the match, it was cool. um, Cause I I went to the match too. And as we were leaving like a line of people by the Lamar hunt statue and everybody kind of taking their turn and going up to the statue and stuff. I, you don't see that at all the matches you don't see that for you know regular Everyone season knew. events Everyone like that they knew how, how special and how important that game was and like I, I was like if i die like this is the last thing i want to see it's like i mean like i've had so many good fun memories at that stadium like it i i started a supporters group there like i've made so many tifos i've gotten the just like get exceedingly drunk in that stadium <laughs> like, <laughs> so much fun. uh but yeah that's uh that's just gonna be missed I, I think the like you said tailgating and just hanging out with with friends we have a lot of uh well the folks that i've met i am not from the columbus area i moved here in 2015 2016 uh that's 2015 or that's the next session i have questions for you too <laughs> oh you have questions oh man okay i won't say anything all right then let's go ahead and we'll get to know uh we'll get to know you and i guess uh, get to know me more too uh, i'm gonna ask you just a, a few questions and if you have questions also we can go back and forth how many questions do you have i only have uh five questions for you okay i have i did want to know because I, I was i'm gonna ask you where you're originally from because i know you weren't from here originally so 
Okay. No, we'll do. Um, yeah, I've got a handful. I've got three or four questions. I could stretch it out. All right. Um, since you have more questions, go ahead. You can go first. Uh, well, so since I, I, I'm ahead of the three beast committee, that is the tailgate committee, whenever we get restrictions lifted and everyone feels comfortable doing these types of things again. Um, but we are going to try to take the tailgates over to the new stadium. We are working on a space currently for where we will be able to do that. Um, and uh, I, I've done cooking for the, the tailgates a lot uh, over the years. Um, I, I like to do a hibachi night. So um, my first question for you is, what is your favorite tailgate food? Um, favorite tailgate food? <sighs> I'm really kind of basic and maybe I just haven't been to the best tailgates, but I, I really enjoy like grilled hot dogs. There's nothing, nothing fancy about it. It's I, maybe I need to go to more themed tailgates. Maybe Queen Anne's revenge needs to have better tailgates. <laughs> um, they try to have me eat this hamburger relish and it's just not, it's not working, but the, the hot, I, I'm just a fan of the normal kind of hot dog. Okay. That's, that's my question. Um, well, my question to you, it's not food related, but it is kind of um, an appetizing question. That was horrible. I don't know why I said that. Let's <laughs> kind of go back to when you started enjoying the sport. How did your connection to soccer, football, football kind of start for you? Where, where did that, where, what's your origin story with the game? I grew up playing soccer, like Wassa, essentially like little rec league soccer as like a youth. And then that tra- took into travel soccer and then travel soccer to uh, I played club in college. And then um, now I, I then pick up after that and like indoor and stuff. Um, and then I've coached a couple of times, um, most recently for the Columbus Torah Academy. Um, okay. in- uh, and then currently I'm now that I've moved, I'm going to try to get into uh, coaching down here. Taze Valley. So is there a position that you played more often or is there one that you prefer? I I played goalkeeper basically my entire life, but like, I also played striker. Um, those, it was like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be anywhere in the middle. Give me the, give me the ends of the, of the field. I turned 18. I was like, basically like I'm a retired goalkeeper now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Okay. Um, cool. All right. Next question. You're up. Okay. Um, what is your favorite sport that is not soccer? <sighs> this is, this has changed a lot. Uh, if I had to choose one other sport, like, Hey, let's go to a blank game. I, I would probably choose hockey. And the thing is I don't have a favorite NHL team. I, I, I like the San Jose Sharks. If I was going to pick one, I have a long kind of weird history with them. I, I didn't grow up in Columbus, so I, I was never a big like Blue Jackets guy. I own Blue Jackets stuff. If I get invited to a game, I'll go to it. I don't buy tickets all a lot for it. But if you were to ask me to go to some sporting event, I'd probably pick hockey over anything else. That's cool. Yeah. Mine would be Aussie rules football. Um, I think it's the greatest sport ever. and I think it should be played everywhere. <laughs> I have not seen it. You need to give me a, is, is it more, is it close to American football, a rugby? What's the comparison? Uh, it's nothing 
it's it started as a game that this is a joke i think but it started as a game to keep cricketers in form in the off season so they because it's played on a, a cricket pitch so it's on an oval and it's kind of like basketball or like lacrosse i guess like kind of how like you like every five meters you have to bounce the ball if you're running but like you can kick it to people and if, if somebody catches it off the fly the defender has to like give them five yards and then like five seconds or something like that and then like play resumes and then if you you can't throw it to somebody you have to like punch it to them um okay it's an absurd sport like it's like if you kick it between the two main uprights it's six points if you kick it through just one of the outside uprights it's just one point damn okay i've that sounds australian that sounds great like not i don't mean that that's not like a drug that, that, that's a positive that it's sounds awesome really watch because like i mean everyone is like it's like soccer where everyone's super running around fit but then like there's just like random clashes and like people like going up for like crazy balls and like trying to climb over people um but like there's no like scrums or like lines like that um it's like much more free form okay i just I've watched two rugby matches and they were all in 2021. And I, I watched it this weekend before some soccer matches came on. And first the transition from watching rugby to a soccer match, it's very tough. It is a very big transition jump from one to the other, but I'm finally starting to, I think, understand it. Aussie rules is a lot faster. Okay. More like soccer in that sense. Like, I mean, I would say that it's pretty much like soccer, but then you get to use your hands. Um, Sounds awesome. And there's no do you do you stream this somewhere or do you um, it's actually, so they lost like the streaming rights here in the u.s for a while like um but it, they just renewed it it's like i think split between espn and fox and it will be on like 3 30 or 5 a.m in the morning um like i always catch it if i get up like really early because uh, <laughs> I, I lived in australia so like i tend to pay attention to what's going on okay I, I I'm learning. That wasn't even one of the questions, but I, I mean, it's a, you seem like you have more questions than me. So maybe that should be one of my questions. What, <laughs> what brought you to Australia? Can you kind of give us your, your, you said you haven't lived any further outside of a city center than you are right now. Kind of where have you? Well, I guess I was born in a small town in Northeastern Ohio called Salem. Okay. Westerville when I was like four or five um, and then lived there basically my entire life until college, went to school in Philadelphia, moved back from Philadelphia. When I moved back from Philadelphia, I had a friend that lived in my house for three months, uh, rent free. And I was like, one day I'm gonna hit you back up for this. And he moved to Australia. So when I work landscaping business, so I always had three months off during the winter. So I was like, if you can get me a job in Australia, I will fly. Like, I'll just come down. Like, I'll stay with you. Like, it's already, like, you owe me three months. So I'm going to get it. <laughs> Where did you live in Australia? Uh, I lived in Melbourne. Okay. Um, like, where all of the, like, out of the 16 teams that have a Aussie Rules team, like, I think 11 of them are in Melbourne. This was kind of like a London almost for, yeah, for yeah. soccer teams. Like, the sports capital of, of like, Australia. I need better friends. I need <laughs> friends who moved like Brian's moving to Charlotte. And I'm like, I, what am I going to accrue away match? 
like place to stay when you crew play Charlotte. I'm, oh yeah, we've already planned that one out. I think I'm actually going down too for a, a courage match this year. So I'm ar- I'm already planning on sleeping on his couch and being attacked in the middle of the night by his cats already. So um, I just he needs to go somewhere more exotic, somewhere more exciting. And if he, the next move for him is Florida. And then at that point, I'm like, dude, why? Like, I don't know. But I, I'm in Ohio. What do I have to say? Uh, <laughs> All right, we'll start with your – well, we'll move into your crew fandom. You said you've played soccer since you were a kid. You've, it's followed you around. You're coaching, playing now even recreationally. How did you become a crew supporter? Kind of where were you or where were the crew when you became a follower of them? Uh, I mean, it was 96. I, I was living here at that time, and my dad, like, I mean, we were playing – my brother and my sister, all of us played – soccer growing up so like my dad totally took us to the games when we were kids I like totally still have like the goal sign like in a box upstairs and like old uh like the posters that you would get every year I would save them and put them in a box um and so I'm excited now that I have a house and like my wife was like you can just have that room and do whatever you want with it and I'm like yes (laughs) (laughs) and it's just black and yellow it's just all that's awesome man I I did not grow up in a soccer household. I grew up, um, is this one of your questions? No. Okay. I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I grew, I, I'm from Canton, Ohio. Uh, so you te- what was that? No, I do. Sa- yeah. Yeah. I, I had a friend who was from Salem and whenever he said, Salem, I was like, Oh yeah, that's yeah, a little further East, but yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I, um, I grew up from a, uh, a family from Cleveland, Ohio. So everything that I grew up was, you know, Cleveland baseball, Browns. I mean, that's that how was I mean, it. Cavs family and an Indians family. Yeah. And then we're Browns and then they left. And then like some guy from our town went to the, got drafted to the Colts. So then we became Colts fans. Uh, it, I, I followed the Brown line. first Browns game was the last game before they moved to Baltimore. My dad took me when I, oh God, when was that? I was maybe 11 years old, 11, 12 years old. He took me to the Browns game. He, was looking back i now acknowledge that he was probably plastered we got uh we, he snuck me into the dog pound with him we were in the 50 yard line he snuck us into the dog pound and i still have a picture of me squeezed up against the fence because the cop didn't care nobody cared at that point and the players came up and they were giving me a high five and i'm just crushed behind like a, a ton of other obliterated drunk Browns fans throwing uh, benches over my head and the players were giving us high fives and stuff. I grew up on, on stuff like that. I didn't know anything about soccer. I remember as a kid, it was probably around the same time ESPN. It was more likely the world cup or the euros or something. Cause those were the, really the only big worldwide mm-hmm. tournaments that had, were on ESPN back then. And the clock was going up. And I was like, what the fuck is happening here? I watched it for probably 15 minutes, not watching the game, but like, when does it stop? Because I know no frame of reference when it came to the sport of soccer, nothing. And it wasn't until I became a soccer fan. I think this was back in uh, 2011, 2012. So it's still coming up 10 years of watching the sport. And um, completely lost my train of thought. It was something really good. It was something really good. No, I, this was it. I talked to my grandpa after um, I had become a soccer fan. And then he starts telling me these stories about the old uh, NASL and about Cleveland having a pro team 
And he was like, oh yeah, I saw Pele play. And I was like, okay, this is kind of uh, big information. And he saw like the greatest, one of the greatest players of all time in front of his eyes at Cleveland Municipal Stadium, back when they would fill that with soccer people just, and nobody really probably knew back then either. It was just the hot thing to, to do and the hot thing to watch at the time. And it's uh, now my kids just, all they see is soccer. I, I feel like they grow up so differently than I did. I still watch the Browns every Sunday and baseball that's tougher to watch as a Cleveland fan uh, this year. I, I would still watch a lot of games, but no, it's uh soccer kind of took over everything. Um, I was going to say my next question for you is I, you've said you have kids. How old are they and how many do you have? I have three kids. I have an 11 year old, a nine year old and a three year old. The 11 and nine year olds are both girls and the three-year-old is a boy. And we weren't trying for a boy the third time. We just, we, we didn't care either way. I was completely happy with two kids. And then I was tricked into having a third kid. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I love them all. They're great. My oldest daughter, she will go to crew matches and she will, she does not want to leave until the final was, she doesn't want to get up. She doesn't want, she just wants to sit there and watch the game. And at home, she won't, she doesn't care. She doesn't watch it. But if we go to matches, she doesn't want to leave. 2016, which was not a great year uh, for the crew, we were facing off against Vancouver, and it was like a downpour. And I had season tickets that year, and we're sitting in the upper sideline, and it's it's really rough out. And the crew were bad that season. I think they were doing bad that match. Um, and I was like, okay, let's leave at halftime because I was just – I had just drove home from the Outer Banks that morning because a friend got married and I was determined to get home and go to the match that night. And she was like, no, we can't leave. We can't leave. And we're just totally drenched. It was awful. Um, My middle child, she will not sit at a soccer event unless she has food in her hand. I have to continually get her food or she wants to check out the bathroom or she wants to do something. They're night and day. One of them has the patience for it. The other one five seconds and it's squirrel what else can we do i can't do this i can't do this so. <laughs> is there anything else to do here <laughs> right i haven't taken the three-year-old to a soccer match yet and i'm i'm waiting a couple years i'm dreading it with him because he's probably like his older his middle sister probably like the middle sister um okay last one about your kind of soccer fandom how did you become an arsenal supporter i know i didn't say i said we we're going to talk about european football but I became an Arsenal supporter uh, through my brother. My brother, when we were growing up, he was like the first, he was, he's five years older than me. So uh, he was playing travel soccer before I was. And so he had a a friend on his team that was Scottish and he was a Manchester United fan. So my brother wanted to pick another team that wasn't Manchester (laughs) so that they could like have a rivalry on their team. And so he picked Arsenal. So like, I was basically like grandfathered in as like a five-year-old, like my brother liked it. So I was going to like it. And how often have you blamed him for that? Uh, I don't blame him at all. Like, I mean, (laughs) honestly, like I've had, like, I was spoiled as a child. Like I grew up with like 20 years of just great, great soccer franchise. Like I, it was amazing. Like I, I was, I was probably very mean to all of my friends during that time, because it was like, if if it's not about Arsenal, then screw you guys. Cause like, (laughs) 
so yeah, I, I've, I've been to two, I got to go to a game at Highbury. My brother studied abroad and it was the last season of Highbury. So I got to go to a game there and it was like awesome. Like if you look at Von Percy's top 10 goals, it was number two and I got to see it live. It was against Blackburn. It was scored on Brad Friedel. Oh, damn. Um, and then I, I that was a culmination of things, man. That was, <laughs> oh yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and then, um, most recently I me and my wife got to go see Arsenal versus Chelsea where like Mertzacker got red carded in like the 10th minute and then like we lost 1-0 and it was like the most boring game ever and I was like oh mother (laughs) (laughs) no that's great man that's awesome I you talk about winning for 20 years and being so good and the invincibles and yet Henri and all that stuff I grew up as a Cleveland fan and not seeing any wins or not seeing anything positive like that the one Liverpool season or the two year and a half of Liverpool that I've had over the last two or three years, other people like, Oh, we got to win. We got to keep winning. We got to keep winning. I'm like, I'm, I'm set. I'm set for years now. It's like when the Cavs won, like I Cleveland doesn't have to do anything for a while now, but yeah, with in the soccer front and then the crew win in, in 2020 and the Liverpool won in 2020. I'm like, I, I can't complain. I, there's nothing I can complain about for the next at least like five to 10 years. I think there should be like a statute of limitations on how, when you can start complaining about your team again after they've won a, a trophy. But that, that was it for my questions. I wanted to kind of get to know. I've got a couple more questions for you. Okay. What's your favorite sporting moment of all time? You kind of touch base on that, I guess, or maybe. I, I would think my favorite sporting moment is that 2016 Cavs that title that watching that last game and they don't score for what, like three minutes of the game clock. And then LeBron does that block on Andre Iguodala. And as, as much as I do love soccer, that is just the one moment that it, it, it led to that Kyrie shot. And then I took my daughter to the parade and it was hot and it was awful. And there were so many people, but I wouldn't trade it for like anything in the world. That's my favorite moment. What about you? Uh, I'm, it, I've had a lot of good ones. <laughs> so, I, I mean, last year's uh, crew, but if I can't do that one, I would probably say, and I can't say any of the Arsenal ones, because uh, <laughs> those are pretty good too. <laughs> um, uh, I would say I, I got to riot after the Phillies won uh, the World Series when I was in college, and that was fun. <laughs> was that when they beat the Rays, right? Yep. Uh huh. It was funny because I was working at a Japanese restaurant there, and the the third baseman or first baseman for the Rays came in like the night before the game, and like stayed there until like six a.m. Because like we were supposed to be cut at three, and like our owner was like, "No, we we stay open for them." <laughs> and like I was like, "How's this dude getting this drunk the night before a World Series? Like they play in the afternoon. Like what is going on here?" So uh-huh. I. And knew it, we were going to win. Then. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a you had firsthand knowledge. Why would that's the World Series of all things? That poor guy probably has some de- uh, demons inside that he's trying to trying to trying to drown in there. It never works. Um, yeah, they said it was like a bunch of Japanese media as well that was like with him. So like I don't know if they were just like doing like uh, interviews because it was like I, I was I worked at a karaoke bar um, and we had like. <laughs> rooms um and they had like the largest private room um but they were like no one gets to go serve them like we'll take care of it <laughs> okay oh dang that's nice no that that sounds fun i've never 
never ride anything. I almost went up to Cleveland for that championship. I almost went to downtown Cleveland, but living two hours away, the only thought that crept in my mind was, oh, but if they lose, that would be a really crappy drive home. So I, I, I digress. And I did the same thing when the Indians were in game seven that year. I'm glad I didn't go for that one. My brother bought tickets to the World Series again when they were up on Boston. And then they never made it to the World Series because they lost to Boston after winning or being up 3-1. Um, and my brother is like a curse. Like he's gone to like, he went to Butler and he went to both the Butler's uh, national championship games, which they lost. Um, he went, he's a Colts fan. He went to the Saints versus Colts Super Bowl. They lost. Like my brother is just infamously known for like buying tickets to these things and then them losing. So... I remember that Boston year. That's oh, what, what did he do anything for the for the Indians twenty sixteen World Series? What was he doing then? What was I, I can't remember. He probably. Okay. And I was like, "That's that's <laughs> it. You tried to win money on him. That's that's why we're not getting this." <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, right? Uh, last question: Did you have Beanie Babies as a child? I was probably a couple. Uh, older you're out of the out of the beanie baby age no i, I was like no, I, I wasn't in prime beanie baby age no i was like third i was 13 at the time and my sister worked at mcdonald's when she turned like 15 and a half because you could get your workers permit and when she worked there at 15 and a half that's when they were giving out like the small beanie babies and the and the happy meal so no i was i was prime beanie baby age um and we did not have uh, we did not have a ton of them i I don't do good at collecting stuff. I, I really don't. I just don't hold emotional attachment to stuff. Like I, I went to a quick example. I went to see uh, Liverpool in um, Ann Arbor a few years, a couple of years ago. And I took my nephew with me, and we we spent hours like getting autographs and stuff. He got a picture with Sadio Mane. He was holding his phone up because he wanted to get a picture of Sadio Mane walking past, and then Mane just went up next to him. And he's like, take the photo. And he took this photo and we met Jurgen Klopp and we had all the, all this amazing stuff before they won, you know, the champions league and all that. So it was still, it was cool to, to see them all. I got all these autographs. And then like a month later, I gave them all away to my nephew. I was like, Hey, you can have them, man. Actually, I don't know what, I'm not going to do anything with them. So they're all yours. You can have them as mementos. And he's 13, 14 now. So he loved it at the time. He yeah. freaked out whenever it happened, but BD babies, I had an aunt bless her heart. She had a whole, tupper like a rubbermaid bin there's always one ant <laughs> college the, the college plan for her kid was beanie babies and it, I, don't, I don't think it ever came to fruition but he went to a trade school which is good we need people who are doing trades and stuff princess die bear though didn't get him nearly as much mint as they were hoping for oh what <laughs> i know not soccer related <laughs> no there's nothing wrong with beanie babies related content man that's that's <laughs> That's what we're all about here in Brighton. Me, uh, it's about life, and that's that's part of life, right? How how old were you when the Beanie Babies were a thing? Did you did your family have them? Is that are you asking from personal experience? Uh, I remember like going and spending my five dollar allowance at the Blue Goose in Westerville. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, then I got into like you know magic cards and soccer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a progression. I feel like that's a good, you know, maturation process. You start at the BD Babies, you get into, you know, the card games, and then you go into soccer. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
nothing wrong there at all. Uh, well, that, that was good. I, I, I'm glad you brought questions for me. I always feel like I'm the one asking questions. It was nice to to flip the script a little bit on that one. Um, Tyler, before you go, since you're here. Yeah, I'd uh, love to talk about the Eagles. Uh, I, I want to talk about the Eagles because you're the, the producer of all the Columbus Eagles home matches. Uh, you streamed all of their arena matches this past winter. And every season, you and your team stream the Eagles. They win a trophy. So <laughs> going that <laughs> that game was insane, by the way. Uh, I mean, that was I, – I walked into that, and I had, like, some, like, thought what was going to happen. That was very exciting. Like, the indoor games that they played were really good. They – because I've been to – I've been to a couple of matches. I covered a, f- a couple of matches there. Uh, and if I couldn't make it, I would try to watch the matches as much as I could. Um, and I would write about them for Massive Report, and I would catch the replay. And first, the production value that you guys did was amazing. And when you watch other teams – trying to get away feeds and stuff it's somebody like holding up a cell phone and you don't hear any commentary like who is what's doing who's doing what i love that you guys you give it that attention that it needs because these players like they have players who've been playing on the eagles for years and they do it because they love the sport and they love the city and even the team the reason that it's put together to advance the sport is just amazing and the fact that you and your your pals put as much work into it as you do and the the final product is is great it's just i, I think a testament to just supporters saying like oh i love the city and we we chant about the city but what else are you doing for the city and i think that's just awesome um yeah we so we've just uh gotten on we, we're now uh gonna do it for the next two seasons here um and their new season starts next weekend um mm-hmm. they're away uh first um but the 23rd of may we will have our first home broadcast um for it um we're really excited for the outdoor season hopefully we're gonna have some sideline uh reporters or commentary for before and after with the coaches and players and uh see how it goes from there it's i think it's gonna be fun and it sounds like too they're gonna be allowing fans back into the stadium um which for them is is great because we talk about teams like the crew and other mls sides and losing revenue but that's like one part of the whole financial pie where for a team like the eagles their ticket revenue is a huge part of it it's like a huge part of the pot <laughs> so having people back in the stands i think will be really awesome i think people are hungry to go to sporting events now and i think that could really kind of propel propel that team i all the home matches i i'm gonna be out there it's gonna be pretty cool i'm excited for it. they're bringing back a lot of the players from that arena side like uh goalkeeper lauren demarchi she's coming back who she was just so good I like you have an sec level starting keeper at a really good school too it wasn't like a a bottom feeding sec school vanderbilt's women's program is really great and she's playing for columbus like that she was huge in those matches and just Um, the whole the talent they have is it's it's awesome if you in those games that were kind of really back and forth i think having fans will really help that team like really spark on it and like get the like you know last you know they came back and scored three goals in like the last minute of like their first game so it's like something like that you need your fans for so yeah and, and the fans you, t- you talk about them the nordec they uh they're the sponsor of 
now your production. Now GCG bag is part of the Nordec, but now Nordec is officially putting <laughs> their hat in the ring and they financially invested into the club. They're going to be on the back of the kits. They're going to be the name, uh, the sponsor of the in-house production for the home matches. That's again, too. There's so many things that the Nordec has done this off season between that and, and the Jersey and getting a new stadium set up. You talked a, a little while ago about, preparing the tailgating and all that stuff. It's um, it's a ton of things that they're undertaking and it's just amazing how much they support the team and how it's just so far beyond just that Nordeca supporter section. I remember like, and like taking care of Columbus and taking care of the people in Columbus, like no matter how it is, like that's, I think it's a really special group of, of people. And I feel like everyone kind of feels the same way about it. So, yeah a lot of like-minded individuals. And I love too, that it's spread out of just one section, one or two sections. Cause I remember a few years ago when they did the supporter summit, I think this is right, probably right after um, the team had been sold <clears throat> and they were like, the Nordeck is not one section. It's everybody who's in the stadium. It's everybody who's a crew. Everyone's got their clicks, but like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you, you're still going to have a section that's going to act slightly different than other ones, but including all the fans in the stadium, it's not something that I've seen very often. It's not something that I think fans of the sport who get into the, the fan culture part of it, see very often to have it spread out like this. So I, I'm pretty excited for it now to stretch over to the Eagles too. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was going to say, um, I'm, hopefully we can get more like planned nights and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, just looking forward to, you know, providing a, a good service for a good product. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Honestly, thank you so much for being on the show, Tyler. It's been, this has been good. This has been fun to, to chat about. It's very been very pleasurable since like, this is our first communications ever. <laughs> we had, I interviewed, I interviewed you and the other uh, production team for an article for Master Report, but that was it. And there was like six of us and it lasted maybe 20 minutes for the first time. The two of us talking together, I, I felt, I, I felt the vibe. I think I really, I felt it here. Uh, do you want to touch base on the NWSL final this weekend real quickly? Before oh I go? yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I didn't forget uh, that. The New York, New Jersey, their like new uh, emblem, like that. The re- you like the rebrand? I like it. I like it. Um, I don't know. That's me. That I feel like that's New York. That's how it's supposed to look. <laughs> I'm I'm all for it. No, I, I think it was good. I think they exercised the demons of Sky Blue and the and the poor leadership they had. They had. There's a New Yorker article that came out this week, and it's been well documented. But this week, especially, there was a piece that came out about kind of how they shifted gears because sky blue was so poorly run like their training facilities had no working toilets or showers uh they had to pay to get like a a sanitation truck that would come to their practices so they had a bathroom and they had a shower and they had some players were working three or four jobs just to keep playing soccer and to I love the rebrand at this time because the team got so much better. They started investing in the team. They're caring about them. Man, they're playing at Red Bull Stadium now, so you're closer to New York than you were. So changing the name, and now they're totally going for the whole uh, kind of bad guys thing. Like, no, we're, we're not going to be the underdogs anymore. We're going to be the people who come in and, and, and beat you up. So I, I love it too. No, I think everything about it, and even the look of it, like you said, it's very – 
it's very New York, but everything behind the scenes too, just kind of, kind of elevates it. So it, it, it's, it's been pretty cool to watch that change over and only a year too. Cause I mean, Brian and myself, we started watching NWSL last year when a ton of other people did, but um even from last year to now, how things have changed. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it, like from last year to this year, it's like, I, it's even better. It's, it's getting on par with like the WSL in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, basically you're seeing players play half of the season there because they're off season here and then switching back to a team over here afterwards. So it's, it's really, it's really good. And I'm happy that it's taking off like this, but my favorite player actually plays for the Thorns, uh, Christine Sinclair. I thought that she's been amazing for so long. Um, and like, because she's Canadian, she doesn't like get the provenance that like Rapino or Wambach has, but like, I, I think that she deserves every bit of, of provenance that, that I can get. <laughs> she, I mean, she's the highest scoring international goal scorer in history in history and i'm not saying like no it's so far and beyond anybody in the men's game how much she scores for canada and how consistent she's been for such a long time no that like you said it doesn't get the same attention i think you know winning a few world cups gives the u.s more attention than their counterparts up north but i mean they're not slouches i i hope that excuse me they have a really good team in portland I, i think if I had to choose one this weekend, I'd probably pick Portland over Gotham to win just because of not just Sinclair, but I mean, hell they have crystal Dunn, Lindsay Horan and Becky Sauerbrunn. They're not a, they're not a slouch of a team, but I think Gotham too is going to try to do the whole, you know, it's interesting with all of them coming off of like ending their seasons on ties basically. Yeah. And because that first the match between North Carolina and Gotham when it was four to three, and that was the first match that Carly Lloyd came back and Midge Purse came back, and you thought, oh man, this is going to be, they're going to be dangerous. And then they haven't scored a goal in two games, and it's been zero zero games for them. And even Portland, uh, they had a big match against OL Rain where they scored what two to zero in a rivalry game, but then coming back and winning one to one. I wrote about it because I'm covering an NWSL for a website. And going into these last matches in the East, I wrote all these different scenarios and all these goals that were going to get scored because North Carolina, they, they score like nine goals and they give up eight in three games. Like they, they score a ton and they give up a ton in Orlando, they give up a lot and then they go zero, zero. And then Gotham and a new expansion team. I thought, Oh, they, they're going to give up goals. They go zero, zero. And they made me look like a fool, but um, <laughs> it, it's probably just, and that's how soccer is sometimes <laughs> it's hard to predict stats don't mean anything and um no i'm pretty pumped for this saturday it's actually saturday at one there's going to be a little overlap between the crew and dc and the nwsl match so i'm probably going to do like nwsl on the tv and i'll have the crew match on the laptop it's probably i'm gonna uh, do that i want to have a little bit of a, a break there because they'll go into halftime before yeah. the crew do but um it's it's going to be pretty huge. It's on CBS too, so it's on the network CBS. And these games, whenever they get on the network, they haul in pretty good amount of of ratings. They they usually stream better than baseball games do, or <laughs> their network especially plays better than some of these uh, big New York Yankees Red Sox games nowadays. So it's cool to it's cool to see people paying attention um, and paying attention to women's soccer just because it. 
I don't have to do anything to advertise it. Just watch it. It's amazing. It's, it's the same level of quality. Take the time. It's like, it's just as good. Like you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. And if you like American exceptionalism, you're really going to enjoy it because the Americans in soccer are amazing over there are just simply the best. Um, So we're going to talk about next week on Bryant and me, but I, no, I I wasn't going to forget it. I wanted to thank you first. Yeah. I want to thank you first, but everybody, you can, you can follow us on, on Twitter and Instagram at Brian and me, A and D and me, uh, TK Tyler, drunken cruiser. You're on Twitter at drunken cruiser. And I Thomas Costello am on Twitter and Instagram at the number one Thomas Costello, no spaces or anything like that. If you want to follow that slacker, Brian, he's out there on the socials too. He's at pickle chips, replace the eyes with ones place the eyes with ones um be a friend tell other people about the pod if you want if not it's okay um because we make this for ourselves and we just enjoy hanging out with each other and talking to one another if we cared tyler about what everybody wanted our show to be it would be very different than what we had tonight and i and i would not change a single thing about it but if you do want to tell people about it go for it we'd be we'd be indebted to you um also doing a ton of writing right now about the crew nwsl and the eagles the eagles are ramping up we just uh wrote about the the nordica sponsorship how they're going to have their ceo is going to be their coach again this spring not because of any coach controversy their uh, their actual coach has to take time away just because he was coaching his college team talked about a lot of players returning um this week is the tryouts actually it happened tonight so we're going to start seeing some reports on new players coming into the fold it's just an exciting time for for them to come back and play their outdoor season and also the crew they're just starting off their season too and then the nwsl we talked about the challenge cup they're not even starting the regular season until next week so they still have a full 24 games i'm just going to keep writing until until i get sick of it and just completely sign off the grid forever and no one will ever hear me or see me again or see my writing again but uh, if you want to if you want to read it go ahead. You can do that. Um, but Hey everybody, thanks for listening to, uh, our show. Thank you, Tyler, again, for being a great co-host. I think Bryant should be nervous. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. Remember everybody take care of yourselves, take care of your mental health, especially this month in May is uh, mental health awareness month. We talk about it all the time, but there are a lot of different initiatives out there, different things you can do resources that are being shared all throughout the month. Make sure you're watching the socials for that kind of thing. Um, just take care of yourself. It's okay to talk about it. If you need someone to talk to, you can reach out to us. You can message us. We're, we keep everything anonymous, but also we are not professional help. And if you need to get professional help, you should, because that's why they're there. They're professionals. Um, unlike us in podcasting, they are professionals in their field. So until next time, everybody, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great night. Adios. And stop recording.